You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Our text today is Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. This is the word of the Lord. Well, James Marshall uh, kicked off the gold rush here in California in 1848 when he found gold while inspecting the sawmill he was building for John Setter. If you were raised in California, this is a story that many of us learned in the third grade. And at that point, the rush was on, right? The population of California exploded in the coming years. Estimates put the non-indigenous population of California at about 14,000 people in 1848. By the time it was 1850, there was 100,000 people here. By 1852, 250,000 people. It just grew and grew and grew. Cities known as boom towns were popping up, popping up, historically speaking, overnight as people gathered and built infrastructure around their common interest of striking it rich. People were turning aside from the ways that they've known their entire lives, the things that they grew up in, to, to, to seek after the thing that they felt was of more value. One newspaper at the time put it like this. They said, the whole country, from San Francisco to Los Angeles... And from the seashore to the base of the Sierra Nevadas resounds with the cry of gold, gold, gold. While the field is left half planted, the house half built, and everything neglected but the manufacture of shovels and pickaxes. The only thing to which people were setting their mind was that which would help them achieve their goal of finding gold. People were searching. They were crying out for opportunity. They were uh, devoting themselves to the hope of uncovering this buried, life-changing treasure. And now this is the second week of our summer series in the Proverbs. And as we pointed out last week, we're not going to be going straight through the text like we might with a New Testament letter or a gospel account. But instead, we're eventually going to be taking the Proverbs thematically. We're going to be bulking phrases and sayings together to see what the wisdom of the Proverbs has to say about particular issues like words or finances or relationships. And we're going to do this because the Proverbs are a bit of a different book in the scriptures. 
They reside in what's known as the wisdom literature. But, but the Proverbs are even unique in that regard. See, as we mentioned last week, Proverbs are not narrative. Proverbs are, are, are not laws. They're not prayers. They're not promises of God to his people. Proverbs are short, pithy sayings that express a general truth about living wisely in God's world. That's what a proverb is. Proverbs acknowledge the fact that in Genesis 1-1, it's written, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They're sayings of wisdom that understand that everything has been created by God, and therefore everything has a purpose in it. And while all of that is true of what we could call the Proverbs proper, the first few weeks, we're going to be stopping in parts, though, of the first nine chapters of the Proverbs, which is known as the Discourse. If you've been following along with the Proverbs reading plan, and today you're on chapter 11, you'll notice, you probably notice, that the first nine verses are a lot different than chapters 10 and 11 that you've read the last few days. The Discourse, it, it, discourse is written, or it's, it, it's spoken debate. It's authoritative. Generally, discourse has some sort of uh, logical flow, and it makes a particular point, point, or it argues a certain case. And that's what we see here in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. There, there are some pithy, like, memorable statements here and there that we can grab onto. But this first section of the book is really an introduction. It's, it's meant to provide us the foundation or framework for our understanding of the rest of the Proverbs. And it's because if we do not know what wisdom truly is, or, or if we do not know what it's really for, then we're going to misunderstand all of these memorable sayings that are going to follow. And this week, as we spend some time in Proverbs chapter 2, looking at the value of wisdom, we're going to continue to lay a foundation for understanding the rest of the book of the Proverbs. And my main point today, the value of wisdom, is that the wisdom of God keeps us in righteousness and keeps us from evil. The wisdom of God keeps us in righteousness and keeps us from evil. And we'll find that these are actually two sides of the same thing. Because our, t our text today, it's really just an if-then-then argument. It's saying that if we seek wisdom, then God will give it to us. And then he will lead us in justice and keep us from wickedness. That's, that's the entire message of the text. It's like logical dominoes. You, once you topple that first one over, the rest are just going to follow. But let, let's see how the argument unfolds. Um, when, I was, when I was in college, I would study while sitting in front of the TV, typically watching basketball or something else. Um, or, or I'd get up the day that a paper was due. I'm, I would procrastinate. I would get up the day that a paper was due, early, and I'd begin to write that paper. Amen. <laughs> And I'd do these things because I'd say to myself, no, I'm just a really good multitasker. Or, you know, I'd say, I'd say the, the, the common joke, C's get degrees. <laughs> okay. Um, but often, this is terrible advice, youth, anybody that's still in school, terrible advice. And I'll get to that in a second. But often what I was doing was only what I needed to do in order to get by. I wasn't doing what I should do in order to excel. And Solomon here, in these first four verses, is essentially saying, in your pursuit of wisdom, 
You can't be like Matt trying to earn a college degree. That's not how we pursue wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom needs to take primary importance. It has to be all-encompassing for us. He's trying to show us how devoted we have to be to seeking wisdom, right? He's saying that wisdom is gained by pursuing it with your entire self, with your whole life. Look again at verses 1 through 4. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. If you, if you didn't notice, this is the if section of the argument. And, and these if statements, if they're true, then the other dominoes are going to fall as well. And so what what is Solomon saying that we have to do? Verse 1, if you receive wisdom and treasure it up. He's saying that wisdom has to become to you like a savings account, like your retirement plan. As you gain it over time, you put it away. You store it because you know you're going to need it later. And so you have to store it and let it earn interest for us. This is a lifelong endeavor that we continually do. Verse 2, if you make your ear attentive and posture yourself toward it. And this means that we have to cut out all distractions. We have to be single-minded in our focus and our pursuit for wisdom. To pursue wisdom is a choice that we have to make every single day. It's like if you were training for a marathon. Or maybe you were, you were studying for a credentialing exam. You're, you're preparing yourself. You're single-minded in your focus, preparing yourself for that test that's going to come at the end. But if wisdom is like what we said it was, that it's, it's the skill of living wisely, if wisdom is, is, is the way to live your life skillfully, then that test is every day. And so we have to be consistently preparing ourselves for this. And and then he continues in verses 3 and 4. If you use your voice to search, and if you look for wisdom like treasure... One commentator says that at the end of Proverbs 1, Proverbs 1 verse 20, we see that it's, it's wisdom clamoring to be heard by us simple ones. Wisdom is crying aloud for us. But here it's us. We, we the simple ones, are calling out. We are clamoring. We are doing all that we can to gain the treasure of wisdom. In these first four verses, all of these statements are trying to tell us the pursuit of wisdom allows for no half measures. No multitasking, no undivided attention. And honestly, as, as we see this, I think it should provoke some reflection in us. I know that it's done that for me over the last week. Are you as interested in storing up wisdom as you are in storing up wealth? Do you, do you keep an eye on the wisdom that's coming in like you do the stock market? Do you, are you willing to change your day? Do you reorient the patterns of your life to pursue it? Are you willing to change your habits? Get rid of old things that you used to do and add new things that you should do in order to go after wisdom. Are we crying out for it? Do we search for it like we search for the treasure of fame? Like we search for the treasure of sex or notoriety or fill in the blank with your favorite idol. Do we go after it with this kind of zeal? Listen, I don't think I know a single person who 
who desires to be unwise. But what these first four verses are telling us is that the acquisition of wisdom is intentional. It doesn't happen on accident. You're not going to get it by following a Facebook or an Instagram account that just posts inspirational quotes. Wisdom is found when we prioritize its pursuit. It's found very practically when we engage in orienting our lives around historic Christian habits like the spiritual disciplines. It's found when we engage scripture together. It's found when we spend time praying together. It's found when we consistent when we set ourselves to consistently gather with the saints, to sing together. This is where we find wisdom. This is how we pursue it. See, listen, spiritual growth, growth in godliness, the pursuit of wisdom is never going to be less than engagement with God in the community of his people. It's going to be far more, but it's never going to be less than that. The Proverbs later are going to say that he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment and reasoning. It's when we're breaking away from God to go it on our own. It's when we're neglecting the tabernacle of his gathered church, the place where he says his spirit resides. It's at those times that we are finding that we neglect the pursuit of wisdom. Wisdom is sought in community. Just like the boom towns, right? Communities popped up because people were coming together in their pursuit of gold. So too do God's people come together in the community of his people to pursue him, to pursue wisdom. Solomon says, if you seek it. The question for us is, will we seek it? Will we devote ourselves to his word? Will we devote ourselves to intimacy with him in prayer? Will we devote ourselves to changing our lives together with one another to glorify him? Now, up to this point, we may be feeling a little bit of tension. And that's reasonable, to be honest with you. If you do this, I keep, if you do that, Solomon's saying this, I'm reiterating it, right? And we say, listen, we're Christians. What's with all this if stuff? Everything that we believe is founded upon grace. And when we read something like this, it's tempting to think that our relationship to God's wisdom is works-based. You mean we have to earn it? Is that, is that what this text is saying to us? Is that what I'm saying? And it could, it could make us think that God is actually pretty stingy with his, with his wisdom. That you have to only do a really good job. And once you've done that, then he'll give it to you. Okay, fine. You've, you've worked really hard. Here you go. And I'm tempted to think this at times. I, I expect many of you are as well. But what we find is that that's, it's just not the case. Look at verses 5 through 7. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom... From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Here Solomon is saying emphatically that wisdom is God's. It belongs to him. It's his possession and he can give it out as he sees fit. And when we pair that with the previous verses, what we see is that if you pursue wisdom, God will give it to you. And that's good news for simple people like me and you. We don't have to earn wisdom in order to get it. We just have to pursue it, and then then God will give it to us generously. 
The Apostle James says it like this, and this is probably a verse that I expect uh, most of us will have memorized by the end of this series. But James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so James, is, he's actually saying the same thing that Solomon is. He's saying, listen, prioritize the pursuit. Don't divide your attention. Ask for wisdom in faith. And when you do that, God will give it to you. He promises to give it to you generously. Uh, something that, that drives me nuts is when my, my kids ask me to help, find, help them find something when they haven't even looked for it yet themselves. And I'm sure my wife would actually say that this is the same for me, but we're talking about my kids right now. We're talking, not talking about me. Um, but it's like, no, you spend, spend a minute at least. Spend a, a few moments just trying to look for it. And then if you, if you still can't find it, yeah, I'll come help you look for it and I'll find it. And don't get me wrong, I think that there's some life lessons of self-sufficiency and tenacity, you know, all these different things built into that. But hear me, thank God that this is not how God treats us. Amen? He doesn't ask us to spin our wheels looking for answers that we don't have and we can't find. He gives out his wisdom generously. Verse 7 says he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. How beautiful is this? Earlier, Solomon was saying that we should pursue wisdom like treasure and store it up in a savings account. But here we see God dishing it out from his storehouses. This is just a transfer of wealth. He says, I'll give you the treasure of my wisdom so that you can treasure it yourself. And so what we see is that when we pursue wisdom, we get it from God. Straight from the source. And when we seek it from him, he will give it to us generously. But the wisdom that he gives us is for a purpose. When you're, um, when you're playing a new golf course, uh, lots of times it helps to look at course videos or layouts. And when you, you want to do this because it's, it's actually going to help you understand uh, when the fairway dog legs or, or, or where the water hazards are or, or where there's a sand trap that you're just not going to be able to see. And good golfers do this. This is what I'm told, at least. I am a terrible golfer. So good golfers do this. And in the rest of our text, what we have is essentially a course layout. We've seen that when we've sought wisdom, we receive it generously from God's storehouses. And, and Solomon is saying at the end of verse 7 that this, when this happens, God is, is he's said to become a shield for us. Just like a savings account is a shield for us in case of financial disaster, God gives us the wealth of his wisdom so that it will protect us. It can shield us from the disasters that will come. Just like if, if the market crashes, a savings account is going to shield us from financial ruin. And then in verse 8, Solomon frames the rest of our text for us when he says that through wisdom, God is guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. And so with what's left of our time, we'll see how our text covers this, this kind of two-pronged reason, this two-pronged purpose, the value, the, 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 the reason why God gives us his wisdom. And first, God gives his wisdom to guard the paths of justice. 
to this point in the text, maybe this is actually just your approach to the, to the wisdom literature in general. If you're anything like me, you may have read this very pragmatically. I'm, I'm a pretty pragmatic person, and so I re- when I read texts like this, or, or the wisdom literature generally, I tend to look for ways that it helps me. Where are the nuggets? What are the things that I can implement? And we've said that wisdom is the art of living skillfully. And so what that means is that wisdom isn't simply knowledge, but it's knowledge in right action. Wisdom is for the majority of times when, in life when, when the answer isn't black or white, but it, it resides in that dreaded gray middle. But to live a wise life isn't for the purpose of simply making a long series of correct decisions. It's for a purpose far greater than that. Look at verses 9 and 10. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The purpose of a person who is wise, according to the Bible, is to wield their wisdom in righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. And listen, because I, I need you to hear this. I, I need us to understand this. We talked about this a little bit last week, and we're going to talk about it in the weeks ahead, because we will misunderstand the Proverbs if we do not get this. The purpose of godly wisdom is not simply to make correct decisions. It's for the purpose of extending God's good and just reign in the world. That is the reason for God's wisdom. It's, it's, it's the very purpose that Solomon asked God for it back in 1 Kings 3. To discern between good and evil as he ruled God's people. And I would just ask you, is this how you approach your pursuit for wisdom? Is it, is it marked by a search for pragmatic answers like it, it so often is in my life? Or, or is your pursuit marked by the desire to pursue justice in your life and for those around you? Are you simply interested in just making right decisions or are you interested in living a just and righteous life? Discerning good from evil. And don't get me wrong, these, these two things, they're not mutually exclusive, but one is certainly the greater version of the other. Why do you want to be wise? One theologian says it like this, understanding is proved in application. Right? Verse 9 says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. This means that when we really receive God's wisdom, it produces in us understanding. And then we will live our, way, our life in ways that are just and righteous and equitable. If we really understand righteous or just, uh, righteousness, then we will live righteous lives. If we really understand justice, then we will pursue justice in the world. If we really understand equity, we will live our lives equitably. If we really understand the good paths, then we will walk in them. The Apostle James, again, says it like this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? 
He's saying that the presence of God-given wisdom in our lives will lead us not to send a brother or a sister away with only well wishes, but as far as it pertains to us with a coat and a meal. And listen, when, when wisdom has entered our hearts and produced understanding the difficult ways of righteousness, because they are difficult, but the difficult ways of righteousness become pleasant to us. We delight in them. We desire to walk in them. True understanding is found in right application of the truth. Solomon says here that right application of the truth is to guard the paths of justice. And so that's the first part of the reason that God gives us his wisdom. Secondly, God gives his wisdom to watch over the ways of the saints. Look at verses 11 and 12. Uh, Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. The rest of the passage goes on to say that wisdom, it it actually keeps us from some pretty terrible things. Right? Verse 12 says it keeps us from following after those with perverted speech. Wisdom will keep us from chasing after them. Verse 13, from, wisdom will, will keep us from, from those who don't just, they don't just miss the paths of righteousness, but they forsake them to walk in the ways of darkness. Wisdom keeps us from joining with those who not only do evil, but they rejoice in it. And rather than delighting in the knowledge of God, they delight in the perverseness of their evil, says verse 14. It's almost as if they're trying to outdo one another in being evil. Verse 15 says that these people are devious, they're crooked, and wisdom keeps us from following after them. He gives his wisdom to us as a shield to protect us from these things, to keep us from participating in them, with them. Because apart from his wisdom, we would go down these paths with them. You might think, no, I wouldn't have done it. We would do it. And listen, we would do it joyfully. We would delight in the wickedness. Now, as we arrive at the end of our passage, we need to see that this is not saying that if you pursue wisdom, then God will give it to you and you'll lead a perfectly righteous life. You will never, you'll you'll avoid all evil and no pain will enter your life. That's not what this text is saying. Remember, we, we have to remember Proverbs aren't promises. They're not laws. But the gospel of Luke tells us that after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, the Lord Jesus showed his disciples that all of scripture was pointing to him. Proverbs aren't promises, but they do point to the promises of God. And in our passage, we see Solomon pointing us to the true and certain promises to be fulfilled in Christ. Jesus said in Matthew Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. The apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 that Christ is the power and wisdom of God. Jesus is God's wisdom. He is the treasure of the field that we must seek. He is the good path. But how do we attain this? We don't. We receive it. For 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. 
The wisdom of God is, is the seeming foolishness of the cross. The gospel of Christ's gracious death and resurrection for those who do not deserve it, this is God's wisdom. The wisdom of God is Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the religious and seeming foolishness to the irreligious. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We sang it earlier. At the cross, the storehouse of heaven's wisdom was emptied so that those of us without it would be filled. It's the place where the wealth was transferred from God's savings account to ours. And elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul says that in Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing. All of God's heavenly wealth of wisdom is given generously to us in Christ for the purpose of us expending it in the same way that he does. When God's wisdom of the gospel has come into our hearts by the Spirit, when we've received it by faith, we can truly understand righteousness. The Spirit helps us do this. We can know justice. We can understand equity. We can know the good paths and walk in them. And we can live our lives pursuing these things. This is what the wisdom of God looks like in our lives. It looks like dying to ourselves so that others may live. The way up in wisdom is down. The highway of wisdom is going, to, it's going low in service for others. This is how we guard the paths of justice. This is the way of the kingdom. This is what happens when we discover the treasure in the field. Because of the cross, we can live our lives in the confidence of knowing that we are truly and completely protected from the evil of Satan, sin, and death. Christ has been given for us so that we may have this confidence. Yeah, we may, we may have hard lives. We probably will have hard lives. We may even die for the fame of Jesus Christ, but the sting of death is gone. That work was finished. It was nailed to the cross. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave to prove it. Once you see Christ, the wisdom of God chasing after you to his death, calling out to you, seeking you with his dying breaths, you can't help but chase after him in return. You'll sell everything to buy the field. The duty of seeking wisdom becomes the delight of our souls. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Will we seek him? Like the pioneers in the gold rush, we leave it all to discover the wealth and wisdom found in the minds of Jesus. The Proverbs aren't God's promises to us, but they do point us to the promises of God in Christ. Friends, if you pursue the wisdom of Christ crucified, then God will give it to you. He will. It'll lead you in the path of righteousness and deliver you from the way of evil. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you.